3: Hi, and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I'm your host today, Tim, and what you are about to hear is a recording that I did earlier today in a live pod, streamed on the Discord, had some live Q&A at the end of it. I'm going to cut this uh, pod off before you get to that. If you are a subscriber in the Discord to the bonus pods, you're going to get the Q&A answers. But here's, what, 50 minutes or so on trade targets the Lakers can go after. I think I covered 16 different players And then the Shams Kyrie news came out, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes in. So we sprinkled that in as well. Uh, So enjoy. So before we dig into those specific guys, I think it's important to note, what would the Lakers be sending out? So Russell Westbrook is certainly someone that he's got a big money contract. And if the Lakers don't trade him, they are going to lose a good bit of spending power. This offseason if he, they just let him walk or we might see the team and I don't think this would go over well with fans. We may, may see the team extend him if they trade, if they don't trade him and keep him past the trade deadline in order to have uh, a degree of uh, spending power ability to uh, like trade him later, potentially. Hopefully not an awful, awful contract, but it would not go over well if they don't trade him and they need to extend him. That would be that to me would be concerning. Can you you can hear me, right? Okay, all right, perfect. Um, thank you. So where was I? Okay, so Russ. Russ is a guy you could look at trading. If you trade him, you have to understand what you're losing. From a playmaking side, playmaking standpoint, there's real value he provides there. I think his his jump shooting, his uh, spacing, those are negatives. And those are things that, like, if you remove Russ's scoring and replace it with, like, you know, efficient scoring from most of these guys on the list, it's like, oh, wow, that's a huge, huge boost. But you also have to consider the playmaking piece. If, just because this this roster doesn't have all that much playmaking on it. If we think back a couple seasons ago, remember when Rajon Ronda was on the team? And, uh, yeah, guys, remember, well, you can't hear, I'm going to put it in the chat. Right, someone else can put it in the chat. Um, y'all, y'all talk about it. But uh remember when like the team didn't have much playmaking and Ronda was such a big boost, even though at the time he wasn't a fantastic playmaker himself or I'm sorry, fantastic like overall player himself, because he had that playmaking component, he was more important for the team. And if you lose Russ, you're in a position where you know LeBron's a legit playmaker, but the Lakers scheme isn't running through AD as an offensive engine. And it's not, we haven't seen the team trust Reeves to step up in that sort of situation. Beverly can do some playmaking within sets, but you would really like to add some more playmaking. Good question in the chat. Does his playmaking outweigh the drawbacks? So offensively, yeah. Russ has been a positive impact offensive player this season. Late in games... That hasn't quite been the case, and the reason for that is teams get more tactical. And why that's concerning to me is that's what the playoffs are like. The regular season and the playoffs are different games. Teams get more specific. They're not trying to play Lakers on Monday, Clippers on Tuesday, Portland on Thursday, the Warriors on Saturday. Like They're not trying to go through 18 scouting reports and kind of do some vanilla X's and O's against those teams. When we're playing the Lakers on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, we are going to do everything we possibly can to focus on beating that team. And that means they're going to find and exploit weaknesses. And for a guy like Russ, who has some pretty clear ones that are easy to exploit, especially on a team that's not built to overcome them uh, tactically, and I'll talk about that in a sec, He is that that's the reason we've seen every year he's gone to the playoffs, his impact has been lower than in the regular season of those same years, according to our LeBron data at People Index defensively, Russ has been very negative this year. And so overall, his impact has been slightly above average uh, compared to all NBA players. But there's a way. If you make a good trade, you add some good pieces and you have some playmaking, I think that can be a very positive move for this team. So that's that's the Russ piece. If we move to other guys, the Lakers could be trading. Damian Jones, the Lakers, (laughs) they're not going to play him. He's like deep, deep in the doghouse Uh, on a team that's running almost all drop coverage. He doesn't make any sense. So schematically, like at the time he was signed, I saw him as a guy in Sacramento who was being fantastic, fantastically used to his skill set as a finisher and a mobile big. That has not been the job this year. And he's looked bad in a lot of minutes. And Scheme's part of that. Him not playing well is part of that. He's actually has some interesting protection numbers. Like there are some areas he's been better, um, but I think he would be valuable to just about any other team than with the Lakers just because other teams will likely not only run drop why I'm like 100% out on him with this team now is even when the Lakers have run mobile coverages in games here and there because they've had to they still haven't played it they're still trotting out Thomas Bryant to you know go run a show and recover or try to soft hedge or whatever it happens to be or switch like if you're not going to use Jones in those situations you're never going to use him so you might as well get rid of him And he's a guy that might have a you know, he could have a second year with his deal, and he'll likely be valuable for another team more than he will be for the Lakers. So he should be someone you're looking to to move. JTA is someone that prior to the Rui move, I was looking at how like Troy Brown had been playing as like a four. And I was like, all right, well, you could probably use JTA in some of those minutes. Defensively, there's a he's been much better in that kind of role. Now that the team has Rui, and JTA's minutes are competing with LeBron and Rui at the four, which he's not going to play. And then you're looking at him or like Brown or Christie or Rui as threes, he's it just doesn't make any sense anymore. So he's very much a depth piece on this team. I'd be good in it with moving JTA if you need to move JTA. Lonnie Walker is someone that started the year really hot. He's someone that has some scoring punch. Uh if you look at you know his shot making compared to his shot quality. He's being spoon fed great looks, and he's been fine converting on them. So there's not there's not really the value add there offensively the way that it might seem if you're just looking at like his counting stats. Uh, and then defensively, he's been he's been quite negative this year. He he again started the year out hot. He had like career highs in like every defensive metric, and has come back down to earth. He's someone that you could look to potentially move and another team might see more value in him. He's someone that the Lakers will likely lose this offseason. So those are from a, a player standpoint. And then Pat Beverly is someone you could look at as well. I'm more interested in keeping Bev at this point compared to JTA, compared to Jones, compared to Walker even, because now that he's able to play more his actual position and he's also not in a like career-worst three-point shooting slump if you look at like 15-game rolling averages... He's been a good player. He played a really nice game last night. He's been playing better recently. He's somewhat, you know, he's he's not fantastic, but he has a degree of, rim, uh, you know, attacking the rim and, and dishing it out to guys as we saw last night. He's an okay three and D kind of player. And I'm all right keeping that around. But if you do want to trade uh, Pat Beverly, you know, I'm okay with that as well. So you've got Russ, Walker, Jones, JTA, and Bev. From a player standpoint, you could be looking at moving. Uh, part of part of the interest here for me is I don't want to see any more of these three guard lineups. I don't think it should be difficult to play, like point guards at point guard, player twos at two, play Brown, Rui, and Christie as your threes. At, at four, you've got LeBron, you've got Rui, and then at the five, you've got Ad and, and Bryant, and you can have some Gabriel in there too. And I, I made a a pitch on the, the most recent pod or two pods ago about playing Gabriel potentially over Bryant, so you can check that if you. Check that out if you want to hear that, but we are here today to talk about trades and trade targets. So those are the guys you could be moving out. The Lakers also have, I think three second round picks that they can move and a couple future first round picks as well. Potentially it will depend on who they can actually get. But as I covered at the top, the West is pretty wide open. The Lakers are in a position. If they make a move and they stay healthy, they're ready to, to move up in the standing. So I've got kind of three groups of players here based on just kind of general groupings. We've got Mike Conley and Fred Van Vliet as more like actual ball handlers. We have Buddy Heald, Boyan Bogdanovich, Gary Trent Jr., Alec Burks, Josh Richardson, uh, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, and Gordon Hayward from a kind of like shooter wing standpoint. And then for your like bigs, we have potentially Olenek, Plumlee, Mobamba, and Chris Boucher could be uh, someone that's part of a larger Toronto deal. Those have been the guys that I've taken a look at. Players like OG Ananobi, players like Zach Levine. I'm going to not waste my time digging into them because it wouldn't make any sense for them to be available to the Lakers at what the team's asking prices are and what the Lakers have available to them. It would take... All of the other teams that have more to offer than the Lakers just saying, eh, yeah, we're not interested to, for them to fall to be available for the Lakers. And even in those situations, I think the teams would probably just hang on to them. So not going to focus on them. I'm looking at role players. And so we've got the couple guards, a lot of potential shooting options, and then a few bigs. And rather than going through player by player and trying to evaluate them overall, Let's talk about what we would be looking for in those guys from a skill set standpoint and then dig into those skill sets individually. And before I do that, I want to note all of these players have flaws. Some of these guys are having down years. Some of these guys don't play defense. Some of these guys have, you know, a spotty shooting record. All of these players have flaws considering what the Lakers have to work with from a trade standpoint, understand we're not looking for complete players. We're looking for a guy who fits the Lakers needs. Gary Harris. That's a good call out. I didn't, Add him in here, but that could be someone that I uh, I uh, dig into and, and share out more on, in the future. But digging into first three-point shooting, if the Lakers are acquiring someone, think of think of the moments last night in the game where LeBron and AD are trying to go to work, and we've got Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder out at, on the perimeter, and their guys are completely leaving them alone. This isn't just shell defense. This is, we're leaving you alone. We're going to go send double teams. That's really hard to play through. If the Lakers have more competent shooting, they're going to be able to put up some crazy three-point percentages because the Lakers are generating very high shot quality. And if that shot quality doesn't translate, it's because these players have more gravity. They're demanding more respect. And that's going to open things up for LeBron and AD. If you all saw the the tweet that from our B-Ball Index account on like wing players and their total ISO impact, LeBron was lower than you might expect. LeBron is lower than he should be. And the reason for that is he's having a poor season this year. From a perimeter isolation standpoint and from a post-up standpoint, because of this context, we need to provide better spacing. And help beaters are part of that. There's an X's and O's piece of that. But just adding shooting is important as well. And adding movement shooting, adding off-screen shooting, is another element that is really important for the Lakers. And here's why. If the Lakers keep Russell Westbrook and teams continue to leave him alone, or they stick a center on him, which has been a, a troublesome thing. How can the Lakers actually counter that? This, the team as constructed right now, it's not in a great spot for that. Because here are, here are some of the ideas that I put together. And actually, this mirrors a list pretty well that I put together five years ago. I made a Reddit post. It got some positive attention around how the Sixers, who are playing the Celtics in the playoffs, could tactically adjust to and exploit the way that Boston was putting out Horford on Ben Simmons. And just kind of leaving him alone. Similar to how the Lakers put AD on Russell Westbrook against Houston in the playoffs. And just left him alone. What can you do to beat that? And a key skill set there is off-screen shooting. Because on ball, if we think about if Russ has, the, Russ has the ball and he's being guarded by, I don't know, uh, pick, pick a Western Conference room protector. He's being guarded by, by that guy and they're just leaving him alone. He could just shoot threes all day. And I don't. Love what that might look like. Uh, or Russ could do some of these tactical things. We could look to get him act, you know, active with dribble pitches. So dribble at another perimeter player and then just hand the ball off to them. Rather than Russ's guy being in a great spot by leaving him alone and defending the rim, he's now out of position to defend basically what's now a ball screen. If that guy receiving the ball can't hit threes in a pull-up way, uh, or kind of sprinting around that because you're not going to be able to just like walk around that, catch it, and be in a great spot. They have a defender. Their defender is going to be guarding them. So you need someone that can run off of a screen, basically catch and shoot the ball. The Lakers don't have that on the roster right now. They have a lot of stationary shooters, but they are missing that Matt Ryan type skill set, you know, obviously at a higher caliber, ideally. And that's where. Guys like Buddy Heald, guys like Bojan Bogdanovic, Malik Beasley, that's where they separate themselves from the other three-point shooting options, is they have that off-screen movement shooter capability that can be really impactful. So, dribble pitches are a way to counter Russ being gapped by the defense or them putting a center on him. You could, in theory, use flat north-south angled ball screens and have Russ attack downhill, Potentially get around the player or force a switch, and then you have a better setup. And Russ is guarded by a guard, and I would be having the screen set by a guard. I should I should point that out. If you've got a center guarding Russ and he's defending him at the top of the key, and then you go have, I don't know, Pat Beverly set uh, a ball screen for Russ, you might be able to have Russ attack downhill against a guard and, and score at the rim, or force a switch, and then you don't have that problem anymore. The issue here is. Opponents have been very deep. Their, their their drop against Russ has been really deep. If we think about like Luke Cornette on Russell Westbrook, he was like in the restricted area guarding Russ, and Russ was at like the top of the key. You can't really guard him there, and or uh, you can't really like screen him effectively there. That's that's hard to do, and so that's problematic. That creates some problems. So if you had uh, like I don't I don't think this is necessarily the ideal option. But that, to me, could potentially be used, but hasn't hasn't worked great. Now with Russ uh, also on ball, you could run ghost screens where someone runs and sets a screen for him, and then you look to attack a switch or a show and recover. Against a switch, you know you're just in a better position. Russ no longer has a big on him. Against a show, uh, show and recover, which would be done likely by a guard if their man is setting the screen. You could short roll against that, which doesn't really work with a center on Russ, or you could go screen it and uh, you know get a three-point opportunity. Again, you need movement shooting there. You need someone that has the balance and footwork to catch and shoot on the move and make threes. Now with Russ off-ball, you could have him setting off-ball screens for players. Again, you want movement shooters. You could use some pin and flare screens where appropriate, and that works fine with stationary shooters. We can see the Lakers do more of that, and we have seen the Lakers do more of that over the past week and a half, but ideally, if he could be setting staggered screens, pin down screens, flyer screens, cr- you know, create two v one situations off ball for off screen shooters, and then attack to that, you know, stick uh, let LeBron or AD post up. If Russ's guy tries to go help, Russ's guy is now out of position to defend the pin down, and you know, think about how Steph Curry or even Bojan Bogdanovich or Buddy Heald. When they're coming off of those screens, if you're in a drop, you're out of position. If you're up at the level of the screen, you're able to contest. And that often opens up little dump-off passes to the roll man or to the screener. But if Russ's man, the screener's man, is way out of position, he's out of the play. And you're going to get some really open threes from that. But again, you need movement shooting. This isn't like Reeves and Walker have played well this year in various ways. Them, Beverly, Schroeder, these are not guys I trust to be high caliber, run off a screen and jack up a three kinds of players. So if you can acquire that skill set, and this is no offense to those players, that is a very specialized skill set that's becoming more and more rare in this league. If we look at how players are utilized, the the volume of off-screen shooters, going back to our database 2013, 2014, it was like 30 players. It's down to like 10 now. It's it like these guys are more rare. So finding a good one can be really important. And then ideally, you can have situations where if you combine these concepts, maybe Russ is on ball, he runs a dribble pitch, and then immediately after running a dribble pitch, he goes and sets an off-ball screen. So you can get some synergistic action. But I say all of this to come back to this the skill set of three-point shooting, movement shooting, off-screen shooting. And with that in mind, among the players that I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention them again, Mike Conley, Fred Van Vliet. Buddy Heald, Bojan Bogdanovich, Gary Trent Jr., Alec Burks, Josh Richardson, Luke Beasley, Torian Prince, Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, and Gordon Hayward. Bojan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald are the clear top two guys from a three-point effectiveness standpoint. Trent has been, uh, if, you, if you zoom out from more than just this year and consider the past couple of years, I'd say Buddy and, and Gary Trent Jr. have been the, the top guys. And the rest of this group has also been pretty good from a shooting standpoint. We'll, we'll talk about the bigs later, but... The rest of this group, pretty solid. You're not. There aren't bad three-point shooters here. Eric Gordon, Gordon Hayward, they're having down years, but in the past, they've been pretty solid. Beasley and Ross have also both had really, really bad shot quality. So from a three-point percentage standpoint, you're going to see a hell of a boost if you get them over to the Lakers. Some of the guys have had poor shot quality. Some guys have had easier shot quality. Uh, I would say... If you look from a multi-year standpoint, Eric Gordon and Josh Richardson have been the players with spottier three-point shooting records from a three-point shot-making standpoint, if you zoom out to the past three, four, five seasons. Torian Prince isn't the same caliber of shooters as these other guys, I'd say. So Buddy, Boyan and potentially Trent in the top tier, and then an, a, a big cluster, and then you get down to uh, Torian Prince. And then from an off-screen standpoint, healed Boyan. Are legit shooting, legit off-screen guys. Malik Beasley has also been a very good off-screen guy. Not the same caliber of three-point shooting, quite uh, from a three-point shot-making standpoint, but uh, has certainly been an off-screen guy. So that's a capability that you'd be be looking at. Oh, Kyrie just requested a trade. Oh, well, it's uh, a good time to be on here. Hang on, let me uh, let me pull that up in the Discord and see see what that's looking at, looking like. uh, where is our reporting? Okay, so breaking from Shams, Brooklyn Nets all-star Kyrie Irving has requested a trade. League sources tell The Athletic the franchise has been informed that Irving prefers to move on ahead of the February 9th trade deadline or leave in free agency in July. Well, that might change things, but I wouldn't be surprised if other teams are also interested. And this this is step one, potentially, step one of a you know Kyrie or Levine or Or OG, or one of those guys is, I want out. I need to be traded. And then if they are to be traded, if uh, Kyrie certainly has elements that people would rather stay away from with the off-screen stuff, I'm sorry, not off-screen, the off-court stuff, that could work into the Lakers' favor. Uh, We'll see how that develops. In the meantime, getting back to the three-point shooting. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, I'd say Fred Van Vliet and Mike Conley, they're both, or they both have been reliably very good three-point shooters but are having down years this year. So maybe you'll get some positive regression there. Moving to the bigs, two of these four guys are three-point shooters. Olenek and Bamba, they're real stretch fives. Their data's good, their volume's good. They would have an impact as stretch fives. Boucher has been used as a stretch big this year and hasn't been good at it. And Plumlee just doesn't shoot threes. So two of those four guys have that stretch element. Moving to finishing. I think so. From a rim pressure standpoint, Fred VanVleet, Mike Conley, Buddy Heald, Eric Gordon, and Bojan Bogdanovich—those are guys that can create their own and get to the rim. VanVleet and Conley haven't been good finishers, but those five players have been able to actually like create something at the rim. They can attack a closeout. Burks has been okay, and then you've got Trent, Hayward, Richardson, Beasley, Prince, and Ross that have not been very good at this. If you kick it out to them. Either they have a three, or if they don't have a three, they're not really getting to the rim. They they'll you know they won't be able to extend that advantage quite as much. On the big man side, Olenek and Plumley have been better at finishing than Bamba and Boucher. Boucher not very good. Bomba okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Bomba not very good. Boucher okay. Olenek and Plumley solid, solid uh, finishers at the rim. And we're going skill set by skill set. I'm going to get to defense here in a minute. Next factor: playmaking. And with this, if you are trading Russ and you want real playmaking, there are two guys here that make sense for this. Fred VanVleet, Mike Conley. They are both actual real playmakers, a good tier above the rest of these players. Conley is much more a system guy. I want to point that out. You see this in the data. He is more of a system guy. He will be able to effectively operate within sets, make the right decisions. Fred VanVleet is a, a level above that. And... That's why, from a playmaking standpoint, I would prefer him. But both of them, if you traded Russ and you got one of them back, I am not worried about playmaking. Conley has been generating looks for teammates at an even higher rate than Russ, interestingly. Uh, And the difference, big difference is on A-plus passing efficiency instead of F-efficiency from Russ. Uh, He is not turning the ball over. He is making smart decisions. The, The shot quality itself isn't quite as high, but it's still pretty good. And He's saving you those those turnovers. So that, to me, is a big difference. Our passing efficiency metric at people index, it considers uh, the shot quality you're generating, versatility, volume, all those things, to compare actual uh, bad pass turnover rate with the expected rate. Conley's in a good spot. Russ in not s- such a great spot. Uh, Van Vliet in, in an okay spot. So if you're trading Russ, I want one of those two guys back, if you can get that. From a ball mover standpoint, which is what I think the rest of these guys would be, Trent, Burks, Hayward, Beasley, Ross, and Gordon grade out as being good off-ball ball mover playmaker kinds of guys. And these are guys that can operate off of their gravity and make the little pocket pass dump off to a screener. Richardson's not a good passer. Looking at the bigs, Plumlee and Olynyk are good dribble handoff playmakers. Not really guys that I—they're not—they're okay as trigger men in sets and like a delay set. The Lakers haven't been running stuff like that this year where we would need them to be playmakers. The Lakers haven't run much dribble handoff playmaking stuff. I don't see them really adding a whole lot of value, but they can be ball movers as well. Uh, and then Bojan, Torian Prince, and Buddy healed they'll create good quality looks, but they're they're forcing it too much. They're trying to thread the needle too much when it's not there, and they're turning the ball over too much. So, okay, ball moving. At times, they're going to go a little bit beyond what they should be should be doing. So from a playmaking standpoint, a couple of these guys, so Richardson, not a passer, Boyan, Prince, and Heald, eh. But then you've got a solid group that I think could be good ball movers. And this isn't the case for all players. So the fact that those guys grade out well is encouraging to me because this is going to be a factor. You need guys that can make decisions when the ball gets kicked out. Now let's move to defense. And uh, this is going to be a factor that I expect – May not be covered as closely by others, but this matters. offense and defense matter. If you look at like teams, you can have a team that's like really high, actually, let me let me pull an example. let me let me grab an example for you. Uh...
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: Let's see here. Because I think this often gets lost. The focus is on offense. I understand why. It's easier to spot. It's easier to notice good or bad defense. Often, you know, What it really truly is may not match what you tend to notice watching live. Uh, If we look at, let's see here, like Memphis and Milwaukee this season. Memphis ranks 12th in offense. They rank third in defense and they've got a top five net rating. Milwaukee this season is 24th in offense second in defense, eighth in net rating. Offense and defense both matter. And that's why at the player level, we need to take a look at this as well and understand the roles they'd be playing. So let's start with roles. Here's how these guys have been used this season. This is good context. At the point of attack, Van Vliet, Conley, Heald, and Gordon. It's interesting to see Buddy Healed there. Uh, it's interesting to see Aaron Gordon there. Conley and Van Vliet, not surprised. Hayward, Gordon Hayward has been used as a chaser. Interesting. I would have expected a helper or a wing stopper. At the wing stopper role, we have Gary Trent Jr. and Josh Richardson. That's a, that's a tough role. Uh, as a helper, you, we've got Bojan Bogdanovic, and he's usually been a low activity defender. He's generally been someone teams are trying to hide. And then in that low activity hide or role, this season we have Alec Burks in. Uh, not my. I keep wanting to say Michael Beasley, Malik Beasley. Beasley has always been someone you try to hide on defense. This is his normal role. Burks, this is a little bit out of the norm for him. Last year, actually, in a wingstopper role, on you know what. He, this year, he also has like a career high total offensive load, so he's spending more of his energy bar on offense. So maybe that's why they have him conserving that defense. But last year, for Burks in a better situation, more as an off ball shooter, and then wingstopper. I think that's the right combo for what he'd do for LA. He had a much better season. So stationary shooter plus wing stopper, hey, that that matters. He's not the, the movement shooter, the off screen shooter, but defensively, he can be better than being in a low-activity role. From an impact standpoint now, let's take a look at that. Fred VanVleet had been a plus guy, is having a pretty down year. He's been average this year. Conley has generally been a pretty good guy. He's fallen off to being below average, and we saw that a bit last playoffs. Either of these would be a big upgrade from Russell Westbrook or, or Lonnie Walker. I want to point that out defensively. Looking at the shooters, Hayward, Richardson, and Burks should be fine. They, they grade out as, as being able to be around average. Uh, if you take Burks and Richardson out of their current offensive roles, where again, they have career highs or almost career highs in the total load that they're carrying on offense, they'll have more energy to spend on defense and that is a better fit for the role. And in the past, when they've been asked to allocate their effort accordingly, they've been effective on defense. So Hayward, Richardson, and Burst, I feel, hey, they'll be, they'll be fine on defense. That's not going to take away from us. Trent, Prince, and Healed should be below average. But below average is okay. I, um, for this, for what they're bringing offensively, or a couple of these guys, for what they're bringing offensively, on defense being below average, I think it's fine. Heel's having a career high year. He's not being used as a wing stopper. He's not being used to defend threes a whole lot, even though he's playing small forward on offense. That is interesting. That's something I pointed out during the off season when I was talking about trading for him is, yes, he's been a bad defender, except for in the years, he's not been used as like guarding threes where he's too small or guard you know as a wing stopper. And those things tend to go together. If you look at those couple seasons, he's been like, bad, but much more manageably bad, I'd say. Uh, if you think about like impact in the magnitude of impact for like the top five, top ten offensive players compared to you know just like the ninety fifth percentile, there could be a big difference. The same thing happens for defense for for bad players. The guys who are truly bottom five, bottom ten, they really sink what you're doing. Being just below average, to, and or like on the higher end of an F. It's bad, but it's much more manageable. So that's what I'm seeing with those three. With Ross, Malik Beasley, Bojan, and Eric Gordon, they have been atrocious in recent years on defense. Those are the four that defensively, they really take away from their overall impact because they're just, they're bad, man. They're bad. Their impact data is bad. Their granular data, looking at like on-ball defense, how often they're helping, how they navigate screens, it's bad. And so that's something to consider. We can't just ignore that. If you didn't care about defense, I think Malik Beasley and Bojan Bogdanovich should be at the top of of everyone's lists for trade targets. Once you account for defense, they fall down a little bit. And then looking at the bigs, they've all been similarly impactful this year. Boucher has been more of a mobile like helper defender. He's not really a five. And him not playing the five and also not being a spacer makes him a really tough fit overall. Plumley, I would say, has been the best drop big in the data, and he's been pretty good in mobile coverages, which I was a little surprised by. I'm I'm happy to see that. I haven't watched a ton of him. It's interesting to see that he's been effective there, and he's been the most overall impactful on defense. So Plumley, solid on defense, the best drop guy. He's a bigger body. Uh, Olenek's been good. Um, All of these guys, Bomba's been fine. All of them, except for Boucher, look like rim protection upgrades over Thomas Bryant. So that is something to consider. None of them are great rim protectors, but I think that they'll be similar or better than Bryant. So all of that, taking all of that into account, we've talked about perimeter shooting and the ability to be an off-screen threat. We've talked about finishing ability, rim pressure and finishing at the rim. Playmaking. For some of these guys, real playmakers. Some of them, we've got good ball movers. We've got bad ball movers. We've got questionable ball movers. And then defensively, who? would be looking good or bad. If we, if we grab all of that, throw it together, here are my tiers of guys that I would be most and least interested in. We'll start at the bottom. I don't think I'm interested in Terrence Ross. He's, his shooting's good. His uh, ball moving's okay. His defense is horrendous. And not, not all that interested there. Eric Gordon, his, up and, his shooting has been up and down year after year. His ball moving's fine. His defense, again, awful. And then Boucher, he's not a three-point shooter. His finishing has been poor. He has no playmaking. His mobility is good, but there's no rim protection. And he's just a tough fit for this roster. Those guys, I just, I wouldn't pursue. If the Lakers made those trades, I'd say you're you're better better off not making those trades. The next tier are guys like, okay, I could see it. I'm not excited, but I could see it, are Josh Richardson and Torian Prince. For Richardson, his shooting's been a bit up and down. Playmaking, not there. Average on defense. For Prince, his shooting's been okay. He's been one of those uh, riskier uh, ball-moving playmakers, and his defense has been below average. So it's like, okay, if we you know give you really easy quality and don't ask you to do a whole lot, like we'll be okay on, on defense and offense. In the next tier of guys that, yeah, I, I'd be good. I'd be happy about these. Not thrilled. Thrilled we get to the next tier. But for this tier, I'm, okay, this is a, a step forward at least. Malik Beasley, very good shooting. He's got the off-screen element. He is an okay ball mover. Defense is really poor. Right behind him, Bojan Bogdanovich. pretty much the same kind of story here. Top-notch shooter, off-screen shooting. So he's a better shooter than Beasley. His uh, ball moving is worse. His defense is just as bad, but he's a tougher positional fit. Beasley Beasley would be easier to integrate defensively, uh, positionally, than Bojan, and that's why I have Beasley ahead of him. Again, as I covered at the top, not considering age, not considering contract. Those are extra elements you want to incorporate into this. But I'm looking at the on-court basketball side right now. Then we've got Gordon Hayward. Good shooting. Okay, ball moving. Average defense. He, again, is a rough positional fit. It's tough. We just traded for Rui. We've got LeBron. You've got Rui. We've got a couple other wings. Max Christie should be able to break into the rotation. Um, You've got AD, Bryant, Gabriel, maybe some minutes. So I, I think it's easier to integrate either a Thomas Bryant replacement or a guard to replace Russ or Walker or potentially Bev. Uh, Troy Brown, you know, many of these guys are just – these guys that I'm covering, they would be better than Troy Brown. They should take his minutes. Beasley, Boyan, Hayward, take go take Troy Brown's minutes. Um, Beasley, maybe uh, take a guard's minutes. From a big man standpoint, Bamba, he's uh, also in this tier – He's a real spacer, no playmaking, poor finishing, decent defense. There's there's some appeal there if he can space the floor and be okay on defense. Plumlee, no spacing. Uh, he's a dribble off, dribble handoff playmaker, but I don't expect that to be something the Lakers really do. It hasn't been part of their identity. Uh, he's good at finishing, solid on defense. I can see potentially even moving him a tier higher. He, he would be a solid Thomas Bryant replacement as a drop big. That is a good finisher. That is a better rim protector. More better in coverage, Uh, but he's a worse spacer. He's got no spacing ability. So that's the concern with him. And that's really what has me holding him down here a bit. Now we're at my top tier. Among the ball handlers, if Russ is being moved, I think you need to put a premium on playmaking. And if that's the case, I would have Fred Van Vliet ahead of Conley. And here are the reasons. Uh, Van Vliet, he's having a down year. Uh, Both of them are having a down year from a shooting standpoint, but generally have been good shooters. They're both solid playmakers, but Van Vliet has uh, – Conley grades out more as a system playmaker, whereas Van Vliet is a true playmaker, as a, a passer for others, greater for others. And Van Vliet this year, they both had a, a drop-off defensively, but Van Vliet's still been able to be better. He's been about average on defense, whereas Conley has been below average. It might be someone you pick on a bit more in the playoffs. So if you're looking for actual ball handling and playmaking, I would have Van Vliet first, then Conley. Among the bigs, I've got Olenek by himself in this tier. He's a real spacer. He's a good dribble handoff playmaker. He's a good finisher. And he's got decent defense. He'd be a nice add for this team. And then among the shooters, in order, I've got Buddy Healed first as my top target. Top-notch shooting with the off-screen piece. He's got risky, ball-moving playmaking. Not ideal, but I think you can probably tone that down. And his defense is below average, but it's not defense that's going to kill you the way some of these other guys have. Then I've got Gary Trent Jr. Good to usually top-notch shooting. Uh, okay, ball moving, below average defense. He's younger, so that's nice. And then we've got Burks, which I could see him being in this tier or the tier below. Good shooting, not really the movement off-screen kind of guy. Um, okay, ball moving, average defense. He would just be a solid like improvement on Troy Brown to do Troy Brown stuff, but just be better at it from my perspective he's in a situation he too much is being asked of him offensively this year his roles don't make sense and if you optimize him better you'll see him play like he played last year in the same roles i'd want him to play on this team stationary shooter wing stopper and he would be a good fit for that so if you're if you're going to keep russ i think you put even more of a premium on the off-screen shooting so healed becomes more important trent can kind of get into that bit if you're keeping russ you still want the off-screen, but I, I still think that would definitely raise the ceiling for the offense and make this team better. Um, but Burks would be more of a uh, just a straight-up Trey Brown replacement. If you are moving Russ, you want Van Vliet and Conley. If you're going to upgrade on Thomas Bryant, I think a Linux makes the most sense. He is not a downgrade in, in spacing. He's an upgrade there. He's an upgrade from defensive standpoint, and he's also a good finisher. Upgrade from a passing standpoint as well. So, those are the guys I'd be looking for first, but I would still think it would be a step forward if the team does get it. Beasley, Bojan, Gordon Hayward, Mo Bamba, or Mason Plumley, or wh- whichever Plumley is, is playing at this point. Is it Miles Plumley, Mason Plumley? Um, it's not the third Plumley, but one of those two, whichever one plays for Charlotte. Richardson and Prince, I'd be like, ah, it's, this is fine. Uh, and then I'm not all that interested in, in Terrence Ross, Gordon Hayward. I'm sorry, Uh, Eric Gordon or Boucher. So that's what I'm looking at from a trade standpoint. Hitting on the off-screen piece again, the team already has a lot of off-screen plays built into the playbook. When they were running them with like Matt Ryan, who didn't even shoot all that well compared to what we thought he could, he was doing well. Uh, Or like the the plays were working real well. It was really able to open stuff up for other players. If you run a staggered screen for Pat Beverly – it commands much less attention than if you're on a staggered screen for Buddy Heald or Boyan Bogdanovich or Malik Beasley. That's a big difference. That is the difference between AD and LeBron being able to play 1v1 and playing 1v2 or 1v1 and a half and being able to open up the paint. This would be important for Russ too. If he's on ball and he doesn't have like a center on him, he's just going 1v1. If no help is coming, he's much less likely to settle for a pull-up jumper and We're going to get better results that way. So that off-screen ability, to my earlier point, and if you missed it, go back. This will be recorded. It's going to help with the uh, countering tactically how teams might defend Russ. And even if he's not on the team, it's really helpful for the offense. Now, all of that that I just talked about, it requires the team schematically and tactically leaning into the right things. If they don't do it, it's not going to happen. If they go trade for Buddy Heald and they go have him just stand in the corner or they make him a pick-and-roll player, we're not going to see the guy that I'm talking about. We're not going to see the impact that I'm talking about. So the coaching, the fit, the roles, the tactics need to be there too. And if they are, that's where we're going to see the kind of impact I'm talking about. So that's what I have prepared to talk about from a trade standpoint, talking through Conley, Van Vliet, Heald, Bojan, Gary Trent Jr., Alec Burks, Josh Richardson, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Olenek, Whichever plumly it was, um, bomba and Boucher. With that said, that'll be I'll probably cut the recording here, but I'm going to stick around now if anyone has any questions for players that they players or tactics or anything that they'd like me to answer or take a look at. Uh, okay, so let me I, I do see something in here.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?